Are you ready for this? Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. I'm Corey. I'm Logan. And we are here to go on the journey of life and leadership growth with you. Welcome to the Principles Podcast. Principles with Corey and Logan. Guys, I'm excited, excited about our guest today. You're going to learn a ton. I hope you got your pen and your notebooks ready because Eric always, always has some good stuff. Um, So I'm excited about uh, you guys getting to know Eric and hear his story. The first time I met Eric was we followed each other on social media a little bit, but the first time I actually got to meet Eric in person is we're both a part of this movement called Transformation Tupelo. And I think it was at our very first meeting that we both got to meet in person. He, he told me this story, or he was sharing to the group this story about uh, their 21 days of prayer and how they really had a heart for the city and some of the things that they were specifically praying about over our city. And I was like, wow, that's what I've been praying about. That's pretty amazing. So anyway, it really just uh, was drawn to him. Uh, was connected to him that way, and um, man, he's just an awesome, awesome guy. The more I get to know him, so Eric, welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. Thank you. I- I'm glad to be here, and let me say with the utmost genuineness, I- I'm um, honored that you asked me to be on here, and uh, thankful uh, for the opportunity. Um, just really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's going to be good, and I know we're going to learn a lot. And uh, real quick, Eric, uh, for those that may not know anything about you, don't even know who this guy is, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe your background, your story, and kind of where you're at today. All right. Um, well, again, I, I appreciate being on here, and um, just ditto to what you said. I, I felt the connection the first time we met together that there was a real kindredness there that we were on the, the same page as far as you know, what the Lord was speaking to us. Uh, I've appreciated you uh, and have come to appreciate you greatly because of the influence you have in our city, your spirit, your love for God, your family, the way you're leading them. Um, so I, I'm happy to know you. It's a, it's a, it's a gift. Uh, my name's Eric uh, Burton. I grew up here in Tupelo since uh, 1987. I'm kind of a, a transplant, but uh, I've been here so long, you know, when people say, where are you from? Uh, it's just easier now for me to say Tupelo, though I've got a lot of other places that I, I've lived when I was uh, little. And uh, I pastor here in Tupelo. Uh, I pastor the Sycamore Church, and we are located at 1212 Nail Street. I say that because it's uh, kind of an iconic landmark here in Tupelo. It used to be the old Malco Theater, and then it was the Bill Williams Sporting Goods Store. And uh, one day I was driving by when I knew we were going to launch a church here in Tupelo. We were looking for a location and this building just stood out and I knew it had been empty and vacant for a number of years. Um, And when we finally got the chance to come in, it was a mess in here, but there was vision for it. And the Lord has helped us to renovate this building. There are a couple of other things we're wanting to do to it. But uh, it is such an incredible location, a, a great building. It's got good bones to it, and we love uh, worshiping here. So um, February will be five years that uh, the Sycamore Church has since it's been planted, and God's really doing some wonderful, lively things with us and, and through us. And so we're very thankful about that. Yeah. Um, 
in addition, even more importantly about me, uh, married uh, 20 years this year. We have three children, and uh, my wife's name is Kamala. It is an Indian name, though she's not Indian. Her parents were missionaries there, and um, but people are always very interested about her name. Uh, and, and, and I tell people outside of the name of Jesus, her name is the most beautiful name that I know. And it means water lily. Um, then we have three incredible children, Oliver, who's 13, Catherine, who is uh, 10, and then Morgan, our youngest, he is six. And that's a really cool name. I'll be honest with you. It just kind of rolls off the yes. top. I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, so Eric, I mean, you guys are doing some awesome things here in the community. And, you know, when you think about pastoring the church, you're impacting lives, but also not just individualized generations, right? Because those people are going to go out and impact their families, but also communities as well. And I'd really love to hear kind of kind of how you got to that point. So you mentioned early on in your story that, that you, you were around a good bit. Uh, you traveled a good bit and you landed in Tupelo, but been here so long that this is kind of your home. Can you take yeah. us back a, a little bit to the, the childhood part? Oh, yeah. Let's let's do a throwback. We'll, yeah, we'll do throwback. a big throwback. All right. We're going way back. The year was 1987. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'll just tell you, I've got gypsy blood in me. It, it And that, that came about a lot because of instability in, in uh, my family. We moved quite a bit. And um, I'm, I'm adopted, but to jump back before then, um, I, I grew up in New Orleans and I'm the oldest of six kids. Uh, and my mom and dad, they were, it, it was just very unstable. Our home uh, was a wreck. And uh, I, I say that to really connect with, you know, any of our listeners, most of our families, when we talk about our childhood, uh, a lot of us come from dysfunctional families. Um, great minister, late T.F. Tinney, he said that uh, that's what that's what the word family means. He was joking, but he, he said it means dysfunction. That's what family is. And ours was very dysfunctional. And uh, my parents were split up. They were about to get a divorce. There were six kids. My mom could not take care of all of us. She did the best she could. Um, but ultimately, and I thank God she had the, the wherewithal in the mind to send us, bring us to a children's home here in Tupelo uh, called the Tupelo Children's Mansion. Many may be familiar with that. And so when I was nine years old, uh, my siblings and myself moved here and we were residents at the children's home. Um, but before that, I mean, we were, we lived again in New Orleans. Uh, we had traveled, I say traveled, we had moved quite a bit in uh, different places. There were, there were times when we were homeless. I remember being homeless, um, foster care. Uh, we were in a lot of foster homes. And I think what it developed in me was uh, an extreme adaptability to make friends quickly uh, and, and to adapt to a situation quickly. Like I don't meet a stranger. I'm not afraid of new situations. Um, but what it did develop in me was the ability to really have those long-term relationships or to take the courage to, to go deep with people. And um, over time, especially as the Lord was developing in me ministry and calling me to ministry, that was a place I knew uh, that I had to grow where, again, I can meet people quickly, you know, make friends real fast. 
but in the long game, especially in pastoring, it is uh, about getting those deep roots in relationship with, with people. Uh, but we moved here in 1987. Um, I lived three years at the Tupelo Children's Mansion when I was adopted. And my parents, their parental rights were terminated and all my siblings, we were put up for adoption. We were split up, uh, unfortunately, but I'll tell you by the grace of God, he kept us together um, in that we knew where each other had been adopted and we were able to stay in touch with each other. And uh, we're older now, we've got our own families and we stay in contact. Um, and it is not always easy, but I, I thank God that none of us got disconnected and lost each other. And so ironically, my parents that adopted me, uh, lived here in Tupelo. And so I stayed here in Tupelo. Uh, they worked at the Tupelo children's mansion, uh, which is even more ironic. And so I was very close growing up there, uh, at the children's home, uh, not as a resident, but now kind of looking on the outside uh, as someone that had my own family, uh, but was still very connected to it. I graduated high school here in uh, 95, then went to ICC for two years, got my associates, and then went off to Christian Life College in Stockton for uh, my bachelor's in theology. And that's where I met my wife. Uh, we uh, it was my senior year. I was graduating and it was uh, her sophomore, freshman, sophomore year. And so I was heading out and she had started coming to school there. We fell in love. And uh, a couple of years later, in 2002, uh, we got married and um, we started ministry together. Wow. So, Eric, I want to go back to something. All right. So, all right. All so right. You're in New Orleans. All right. And kind of a little bit of instability there. And mom and dad kind of kind of part ways. And your mom brings you to Tupelo. It, it just really curious. What were the emotions like when your mom was bringing you to Tupelo and, and dropping you off at the children's home, children's mansion? Can, can you talk about that emotion right there, what that was like? Yes. Uh... All right, so I'm the oldest of six, and from a very young age, uh, leadership was was uh, a part of me, whether I wanted it to be or not, yeah. because my dad, unfortunately, was out of the picture a lot of the time. My mom worked um, night jobs as a waitress. She wouldn't be home or she'd be home and she was sleeping because she was dead tired from working on her feet. And so I had to step in, even at a very young age, and uh, learn to do laundry, learn to cook, um, learn to, to be aware of my brothers and sisters. And um, we were, again, we were in foster care quite a bit. Uh, there were times when my mom just, she couldn't keep us. And um, I, I didn't like foster care uh, as a kid, you know, just to be honest. And I think it is a huge blessing and an opportunity to change the lives of children. I, I did not like foster care, but when we came to the children's mansion, it was in fact, the first time I felt safe. I, I literally remember thinking this is home. I was as callous as it sounds. I was very happy to be there. 
now my brothers and sisters they were not in fact one of my brothers my middle brother uh it, it was very difficult for him but i felt uh very safe there and i felt like this was something that uh i could i could really finally unpack my suitcase of life and this is i was going to be here and the plan was for us to be there two years uh and i was fine with that in that time, my mom was supposed to be able to get back on her feet and either get uh, her degree, get a place uh, to a place where she could take care of us and we'd all go back with her. Um, and I think it may have been the toughest part for me was for my youngest brother. I was nine years old and my youngest brother uh, was two years old. And he did not know what was going on. And in fact, he, uh, it, at our dorm room at the, the children's home, uh, he would sleep with me. I mean, he, he was afraid this was all of a sudden, you know, his mom is gone. Uh, he doesn't really know our dad. And I think the most difficult part for me emotionally was just what he was going through. And again, I probably had more on my shoulders than I should have as a nine-year-old. Um, but I, I, all in all, I have to say it was, I knew it was a blessing. Uh, I would, I am, I was, I still am thankful for the Tupelo Children's Mansion, uh, and what it, what it did and offered to me there. I mean, there are, I can tell you a number of facets of why I'm thankful for it, but, uh, I felt safe there and, um, was very happy, very, very happy to be there. Well, so it sounds like, I mean, that, that was for the first time in a long time, there was some stability a little bit, yeah. is what it sounded like. Yeah. Uh, question I've got for you there, Eric, and, and just kind of getting to know you, <clears throat> you know, we talk about the fruits of the spirit and you got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and, and those kind of things. And when I, when I see you and I talk to you, I really feel, feel those. I, I feel like you got, got peace and you got joy and you got kindness and love. And, and I also see security in your leadership, like you're secure in your leadership. And, and I, I was hoping you would tell that part of your story, because I know there's a lot of people out there that things happen to all of us, right? Like, like stuff mm -hmm. happens. It does. And there's people that may find themselves in the circumstance and it's like, why is this happening to me? Why, why is this happening to me? Why me? Right. And yeah, and they become bitter. And, and I say all that, I, I see the, the love and the joy and the peace and all that kind of stuff in you. I don't, I don't sense bitterness. You may hide it super good. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, but I don't get that uh, when I meet you. Do you have any advice for somebody that, that that's kind of where they're at? They feel like, man, these circumstances are just piling up on me. Like, <laughs> man, why me? Like, you got any, any, any advice, any thought for those people? If, if I could... Um just reduce it down so that you could steep on it and not to over spiritualize. But for me, I really, I, I try to stay very close to the voice of God in my life because his way is always the best way. It always produces the best thing. And the only reason I know this is because I have not done it this way before many, many, many times. And it's produced the wrong effect. And I have, learned and I am still learning his voice in my life. And when I listen to him, it is normally God speaks to all of us differently. Like he knows our language. He just knows the way we speak. 
And the best kind of illustration of that is at his birth, when Jesus was born, he spoke to two very diverse people. He spoke to shepherds and he said, you're going to find me in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And he knew how to talk to shepherds to find him. But when he talked to the wise men, he told them, you're going to see a star because they were men of, you know, astronomy. They, they knew these things and he didn't talk to the shepherds about stars. He didn't talk to the wise men about a manger. He knew how they spoke and what they would get. And I believe God speaks to us the way we'll get it. And we just have to learn. That's the voice of God in me. And I, I try to stay very close to his voice. Um, and he's, he's teaching me things, but I'll, I'll tell you this, um, the, the difficult things that happen, the ugly things that happen in our life, and they're going to happen to all of us. They have happened to all of us. So if I say something, it is not like I'm an outlier that is the only one that's been through tough times. Uh, I know that your listeners have as well. Um, I was in Bible college. Okay. I'm studying. I, I, I was saved when I was nine years old. Jesus is the best thing that that's ever happened to me. And he, I mean, he entirely changed my life, um, even at, at, at a young age. And I'm, I'm in Bible college. I'm, I'm 20 years old, uh, studying to be in ministry. And there was bitterness and there was shame and there was an ugly hate in my life, Corey, towards my mother. Yeah. My biological mother. Um, there, there was there were a lot of things I remember that I should not have been exposed to, should not have known um, things that I had seen lifestyle. I just and then there's six kids and we um, just felt like we'd never had a, a had a chance. So I'm 20 years old and I go back to New Orleans to see one of my brothers. We're older now. And he says, hey, you ought to go see mom and take her to lunch. And I was pretty upset with him for even asking me that because he doesn't remember the stuff I remember. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I kind of basically told him I didn't think that was fair of him to ask that of me, even though I'm the oldest. And I just told him, you don't understand. And, and he just pushed all that aside. He goes, yeah, that's fine. But I think you still should. I think that she would appreciate it. It's not about you. She would appreciate it. So uh, I went to lunch with her. I invited her to lunch. And um, it was the strangest thing for me to feel nervous around my biological mother. But I was nervous sitting there because I, I didn't know what to talk to her about. I didn't want to talk to her. Um, and again, remember, I'm saved. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm studying to be a minister. And there is this root of bitterness. There is uh, a seed of unforgiveness that has grown inside of me. And I want to talk to other people about forgiving and minister to them, but I have not done it. I'm sitting across the table from her. I'm looking at her and it's really just pity that I feel and how pathetic. And it's just, what have you done with your life? I feel hurtful even, even saying it like that, but that's what I felt. Yeah. And I'm looking at her and she's talking and she's wanting to catch up and I don't want to catch up with her. I don't want to talk to her. Um, I blame her, you know, for, for the way our lives had turned out. And um, the Lord just spoke to me in that moment. And this is why I, I have to stay close to the voice of God. 
And he is so good at getting to the root. And he can say something in like two seconds and change our whole life. Like he speaks volumes. And he just said, maybe she did the best she could do. And that did it for me. I started crying at the table in front of her. I, I'm, and I, I felt like Joseph in front of his brothers, you know, instead of being angry, it just opened up. And there was a love that I had towards her. And I immediately pictured a single mother in New Orleans. We were homeless at one point. I remember us breaking into a house and us sleeping in the basement. And she told us that it was her friend's house. And I tried to imagine if I was alone and had six children from nine to two years old, depending on me, what would I do? And the Lord just said it all right then. And it moved my heart. Maybe she did the best she could do. And I believe that in the hardest times of our lives, when things will pile on, if you will listen to the voice of God, it's a, it's a whisper sometimes. And you'll know it's his voice because it's, he's telling you to do the thing you would never do. Mm-hmm. He is telling you to do the total opposite. And th- that's, that is what I would encourage people to do. Get close to the voice of God. Let that develop in you. It happens in prayer. It happens in reading his word and it, it, it's, it's spirit and it's truth. It's a, he speaks to us. He gives life to us and it will get you through difficult times and leading, making decisions for your family, your business, relationships and endeavors you're going to take on. He leads us the right way. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. You know, that kind of forgiveness like that, that's, that's supernatural, right? Like that, there's no way you can conjure that kind of stuff up and, and stuff that down and those kind of things. And that's, I mean, that's amazing. I, I, I do. Um, you know, you, as you're saying that it reminded me of a while back, I was caught up in, in some, you know, we all mess up in those kind of things. I was caught up in something that I wasn't forgiving myself. You know, you talk about, uh, forgiving other people, forgiving myself. And I remember laying and praying and, um, I I came across a passage. Somebody had told me that, um, if we want to go down the the prophetic route, you know, Corey, I see promotion for you, you know, I see promotion coming for you. And, and, and I was laying and praying and I really felt led to this proverb and the proverb basically says, uh, I, I'm gonna paraphrase. I'm gonna give you a Corey phrase. All right, this is the Corey version that Bring it. will not come until God sees humility. And I was like, "Well, I don't. I feel like I'm humble. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds arrogant when you say that. But uh, you know, it's like a uh, here's my humble card. Here's my humble card right here. I, that's right. It's like uh, Moses saying Moses was the most humble man ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I remember saying, well, I, don't, I don't see." I don't know of anything. And then immediately it came to my mind what I, what I was caught up in, uh, in the past, like a while back. And, um, I was like, well, I mean, I, that guy, can't you just like wave that, like miraculously do that and it's gone. And he said, oh, oh, I can. And I have, but you haven't, you haven't let go of it. And immediately I knew what I had to do. I knew what the step was. And I said, ah, I really don't want to do that, you know, but, but once, once you've taken that step, it's like some kind of weight just totally gone. 
right? Yeah. And um, I, I love the fact that you brought that up. It's um, in twofold there, you know, forgiving other people and then forgiving yourself as well. Um, I, I think it only can come with what you said, staying close to the father. That's good stuff. And you know, the, the end of that story that's still being written is the redemption of God. Yeah. He is such a redeemer. Yeah. And he has redeemed that relationship between my, my birth mother and myself. And there are still boundaries there, but I'm telling you that there's redemption. There's love that's there. We have relationships. She texts me nearly, you know, every day. Um, she supports our ministry at this church. She still lives in New Orleans. She supports our ministry here. And it's, it's just crazy. But even apart from that, just what we have between each other. And um, I, I thank the Lord for that. And let, let me just say, you know, I, my parents that adopted me, they're mom and dad. They're not my adopted parents. That's mom and dad. And uh, I honor them. And what I, what I mean by that is uh, I honor them in my relationship with my birth parents. I, uh, my birth parents have their place in my life. I honor them, but they do not uh, transcend the relationship that my mom and dad that adopted me have in my life. And um, so let me just say that. And there's a, a balance there of honor, but the Lord has redeemed that relationship with my birth mother. And there's no hurt that you have gone through with someone. I mean, it, it could be very, very deep. And I have been witness that God can redeem it if you will stay close to his voice if you will be willing to forgive. And there are things that are not worthy of being forgiven. You know, that's how we would feel. And you have a right to that. You have a right to stay there and, and uh, you, you deserve to be the right in this situation if you want to be. But if you will forgive, there is nothing. There is no relationship, no hurt, no matter how deep or how high that God cannot redeem that and the only the power of forgiveness is the person them being willing to do it and uh, i i just thank god for that yeah man that's awesome you're right man that's incredible um well, Eric, I'd like to shift gears a little bit. I'd like to talk, to, talk a little bit of leadership and, yeah, some excellence. So uh, I'd really like to dive into some excellence and the importance of being excellent in everything you do, the, the yeah. small thing and, and not just the one big thing, but being excellent in all that you do. And I, I love the thought of, you know, it's those people that are closest to me who love and respect me the most, not, not the people who think they know me or anything like that, but it's the ones who truly know me. And I think it is carrying yourself with excellence, doing things with excellence. And one of the things that I talk about going into businesses is a story you shared yesterday about um, the Queen of Sheba coming to yeah. King Solomon. You know, Solomon, the guy was famous for his wealth and his wisdom. And all these kings and queens would come to him. And then one day the Queen of Sheba comes. I'll let you tell the story because you told it great. But uh, uh -huh. share that story and then jump in. We'll, we'll jump into some excellence if you yeah. Uh, yeah, excellence is something we can continually pursue, you know, right? It, it's, we're moving towards it. We're excelling. We're going, I mean, at its root, excellence is saying, I'm not staying here. I'm going to excel from here. And it's that pursuit that leaves you in a place that there's a, a wake left behind you of excellence. It's a, it's an active word. 
that is being done. It's, it's a present perfect, you know, it's being completed. Um, and w- one of the, the, the best examples of that is, like you said, King Solomon, he's done incredible feats. There is great wealth. Uh, he is known to be a great judge and king and, and the way that he judges matters. And this spreads. That's what happens with excellence. Your ex- it spreads. People hear about it. His wisdom. And Queen Sheba, this, this distant, beautiful, uh, prominent queen herself, has made appointment to come in and talk and spend time with Solomon. And she spends all this time. She is testing the boundaries of his, his wisdom. I have heard about it. And she's asking questions and uh, judgments that he's made. And how did you come to this? And how did you know to do that? And he is, he's just pouring it out. And then he's, he's showing off his wealth. And he's giving her gifts himself to, to express how wealthy he is. And then he's showing her the boundaries of his land and the things he's built. And all that astounds her. And then it comes to this verse in, in First Kings. And it says that when she saw the way his servants ascended into worship, it, into the temple, the way they were serving, which says a whole lot about us, the people that are under us or around us, how they serve says a whole lot about us. And when she saw that, the way his servants ascended, it said her breath was taken away. And she told him the half had not even been told. I'd heard a lot about you, but the half had not been told. And I love the idea not just the idea, but the pursuit of excellence. That's what we want to do in our personal lives. Uh, I want people to say that of me without it being negative that I was belligerent about something, but that I wanted excellence. Yeah. And that's the way we want to serve here at the Sycamore Church in excellence. And this is something that's been taught to me, that excellence breeds safety. When people see that, they kind of relax. They feel like they're in safe hands. And the first time I really saw it was um, at a church that I went to to visit, and it was, they were having a conference on planting churches. And my wife and I, of all the ministry we'd had, of all the study we'd had, you know, I, I will humbly say we were not prepared to launch or plant a church. And that, that hurt me because we had been in ministry for almost 15, 16 years, but when we had helped other churches, but when it came time for us to launch a church, I was shorthanded and, and didn't know what to do. So we went to this conference and I remember I was wore out. I was so frustrated in spirit, Corey. Uh, we wanted to launch a church. We just didn't know what we were doing. And a friend of mine invited me to go to this church conference in, in Birmingham at a church called Church of the Highlands. You may be familiar with it. They're part of a program called ARC, an association of related churches. And he was coming from Santa Santa Rosa, California. And I'm only an hour and 45 minutes, hour and 50 minutes from there. And I, he said, hey, man, go with me. And I didn't want to go. I didn't know about ARC. I'd heard about it, but didn't know much about it. And um, he said, you know, come with me. And I thought, if he's flying from Santa Rosa, California, I can, the least I can do is, you know, go two hours and meet him. And I went to that conference and it started at nine in the morning. I got there. And as soon as I walked in the doors, I felt like Queen Sheba. It literally took my breath away. It wasn't just how they were doing it. It was the spirit. 
It was the spirit in which they served people. I mean, it literally, I, I remember gasping and just like, wow, what is going on here? And it was from the aesthetics. It was from the way the door was opened for me coming in. It was the way worship started. And the first song that was sung, they were, they were just going into it. And I remember just bursting out in tears. I began to cry. And I, I knew why. I was feeling the presence of God. And I text my wife back home. And again, we're searching for resources to how do we launch a church? And I just text her and I said, I don't know what they're doing here, but we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. It was excellence. And when you are operating in excellence, when it is at your pursuit, I want to be better. Last week was great. Yesterday was great. But it is an active word that I, it is what I do. It's not that I've achieved excellence. I, I am pursuing it. And even in the pursuit, again, a wake of excellence is left behind that people want to get into and be a part of. People want to be a part of things that are excellent, you know. Man, that's, that's awesome. I love, I love what you said. Excellence is excel from here. It's an active word. And you mentioned going in there and you could, it was the spirit in which they did the things that they did. Right. Yeah. You know, there are some things that can be taught. Like I, you know, I can pull out a book and I can teach you something, but there are other things that are caught and that's the spirit mm-hmm. in which I do it. Right. And man, that's, yeah. that's amazing. Right. And, and it's not just, just doing the action. There's a spirit in which you do it in. And that's, what's caught. That's what's caught. Yes. And uh, that's what, that's what I, you know, I I love that. I love thinking into those kind of things. And I I hope that whenever interact with somebody that they are left with some kind of deposit, right? Some kind of increase. And um, And, yeah. And and you know what, and and just speak to that about, you know, what's taught versus what's caught. If, If it's caught, you had to put your hand out to catch it, which is to say you were, you were prepared. I intentionally, I was, I was looking for something I, I was wanting. And when it comes to excellence, you know, you should in the pursuit of, you should be looking for people that do things that are excellent and get around them. And, and uh, cause stuff's going to be coming off of them and you got to be there ready to, to catch it. You know, we go to a baseball game. I'm not even on the team and we'll bring a baseball glove. <laughs> What'd you bring a glove for? You're not on the team. You don't have a uniform. A foul ball may come my way and I want to catch it. You know, we go prepared to, to catch things. Wow. Man, I, you know, I don't want to go too, too far down this, but man, God's been leading me down to Mark for the four souls, you know, and those kind of things. And that's really what it is. It's your yeah. heart preparation. And I was reading today and it was interesting that you now God spoke or Jesus, he spoke this parable to all these people, but as ones that, that came to him afterwards that asked him, right? Like his disciples and, and the 12, it's the ones that came close to him that their hearts were prepared that, that he didn't just tell the parable to, he revealed the meaning to it, to them. Right. And yeah. I, I love that your heart being prepared. And yeah, that's good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, um, you, you, uh, when you were talking about excellence, I, I heard a podcast by John Maxwell the other day, and this has been for about three weeks. I've really been stewing on. He, he, he used three words. He used the word success significance and greatness. And he said, success is how well I've done for myself. Significance is how well I've done for myself and others. 
But greatness goes along with what you you talked about in excellence of about those people under us, those people we lead. Greatness is how well I inspire others to do well for themselves and others. It's that third yeah. and fourth level deep, right? It's that generational thing, the 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 inheritance to my children's children, those kind of stuff. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's excellence. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. And and if people are using their gift that God has given to them. All of us have been given a gift, everybody. The scripture says uh, in Ephesians 2 that we are God's workmanship. We were created to do good works. And all of us have been given a gift, uh, no matter what it is, no matter what side of the tracks you were born on, what, no matter what opportunities given or not given. At the core, you have been given a gift. And like you said, su- success, significance, um, and, and what was the third greatness? Yeah. Greatness. Yeah. That is translated into something I say when it comes to our gift and in terms of excellence, when we are operating and living out our gift, like doing what you do, my mother-in-law, she, she has this term. She says, what makes your heart hum, you know, and there's, there's a thing you do that makes your heart hum. And when you're doing it, three things are going to happen. It's going to glorify God. Your gift, when you are doing it, always glorifies him because he's the one that gave it to you. And it's going to gratify you because there is no gratification like doing what you're supposed to do and knowing it and knowing like this is my jam right here, you know, in life. It glorifies God. It gratifies you. And just for uh, lack of a better term, because I don't have a word that starts with G. I don't have a complete alliteration here. <laughs> it's going to it's going to bless others. They're going to want to do something. It's going to inspire them because whenever you're doing your thing, other people that aren't even good at it, they'll feel like, man, I'd like to do that. And they don't even know what it is. They're just like, you look like you're doing what you're supposed to do. I want to do that. And I, and I think that's what excellence does. And at its core, it's you living out in the gift that God has given you. Yeah, man, that's good. I like that. So Eric, um, we were talking right before you, you got a book in you and you says, everybody got no. a book. Yeah. T- tell us, tell us the, can you give us like a, like a synopsis of w- what you think oh. of that book's going to be about? <laughs> oh, I think we all have a book in us and Lord willing, I will write this book. Um, and, and I, and, and, I just hope it blesses people, but uh, the Lord laid this on my heart and it's just growing, but it's about the chasm or the gap, but the chasm between our convenience and our calling. And this is both in the church, in the secular world. It doesn't matter. People that are going towards excellence that have a call on their life. uh, you, You hear stories about movie stars before they made it big. They were a waiter or, or a server at a, at a restaurant, just hoping to, you know, hit the right spot, make it big and become a superstar. Uh, They've done it in entertainment and music. It's the same in our calling with God, even more so. And there is something you see out ahead. God's called you to, and you always think that's great. I want to do that. But between you and there is this great chasm. It is a gulf. It's, it's too difficult. You don't have the money to get there. You don't have the education to get there. And yet there is this call, but where you're living right now is paying the bills and where you're living right now is convenient. 
And one of the greatest stories I see of this is when Elijah called Elisha. And he comes by and he takes his mantle and lays it on him. And he tells Elisha, Elijah says, be careful what I have done to you, because this is a big thing, me laying my mantle on you. And the scripture says, he said, let me just take care of some affairs. And the Bible said that he had uh, these team of oxen. Okay, so a team is certainly more than one, but it doesn't limit it to just two. We just think maybe it was a couple of two. No, he had a team of oxen. And these were like present day John Deere tractors. All right. This is his livelihood. And of these teams of oxen that he had plowing the field, the Bible says that he went and he slaughtered them. He is like he blew up his livelihood to follow Elijah. And he got rid of all the convenience. I wish I could carry my convenience into my calling like where I am and the money I'm making and the things I'm doing. But so often to get across the chasm, you have to leave all that behind. And it's extremely uncomfortable and very difficult for us to do. But not only did he slaughter the team of oxen, got rid of all his John Deere tractors. Then he had a big barbecue and fed the village. And then he burnt the, what he barbecued the, the oxen with were the, the wood that yoked them together. I mean, he got rid of everything. There was no trace of his career left in order for him to follow the call of God on his life. And I mean, it's a, it's difficult. It's easy for me to say it's diff even more difficult to live out, but in order for us to get to the calling and I can show you and tell you many, many examples, I've got notes. I'm just building the notes and getting ready to, you know, to, to at least start writing this book, but you have to leave to some degree your convenience and, and that nine to five job, if that's what it is, that, yeah, it's paying the bills, but man, it's difficult to step out of that and you're straddling over, you're almost in your calling, but you can't quite leave behind that, that convenience, that there's got to be a complete jump if you're going to be complete and feel the greatest joy in your life and what God's called you to do. So, that that's the kind of synopsis of where I'm, I'm going to go and the challenges that that we have uh, in getting to it. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be a great book. Uh, you're going to have to let us know when you do that and maybe even come back on and talk, uh, talk a little bit more about that book whenever it comes out. You, get, you got oh. a title for it yet? Right now, it's just uh, the chasm between convenience and calling. We might have to sum that up in a word, and that'll be the subtitle. Yeah, there you go. It I'll might be called jump. Jump. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Just take that leap. Yeah. Kill all the oxen. There you go. Well, um, Eric, man, you've added a ton, a ton, a ton of value. Uh, man, this is really good. I appreciate you. And uh, I know that um, you've added a ton of value to our listeners. So really appreciate you coming on with us today, Eric. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me, Corey, for believing in me and giving me the opportunity. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for taking a listen to Principles with Corey and Logan. And hey, if uh, if something that uh, Eric said stood out to you or uh, have questions for him, comment and we'll pass those along to him. Um, but also make sure you subscribe so you can stay up to date with any new episodes and share this with a friend or family member. And for any of those that would like to 
connect with you, Eric, or find out more about what you're doing or Sycamore Church or go ahead and order a pre-copy, a pre-order that book, yes. uh, how would they get in touch with you, Eric? <clears throat> well, you can go to our website, thesycamore.net. Uh, and we're on social media. We're on Instagram as the Sycamore. We're at um, on Facebook, um, uh, Tupelo Sycamore. And uh, we're located, again, if you know Tupelo, at 1212 Nell Street. We have worship services at 1030. And uh, we are in the uh, West Main Street shopping plaza just down from uh, Dirt Cheap. If you know where Dirt Cheap is, everybody knows where that is. And um, so if you want to come and join us for worship, you don't have a church home, we would love to have you. And uh, if you just want to connect, we can do it through email, which is there on sycamore.net or, or social media. Awesome. Well, make sure you guys connect with Eric and stay in touch with him. And we look forward to hearing that book come out, Eric. So <laughs> yes, thank you, Corey. Well, thank you guys. I hope you guys have a great day and God bless. Thanks so much for spending your time with us today. As you go about your day, remember to ask yourself, as a parent, child, sibling, business owner, customer, boss, teammate, would you recommend yourself, audit yourself, and change your life? Hey guys, and if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, take a moment, please subscribe, give us a rate and review on your listening platform, and hey, we value your feedback, and it helps others find us. Are you ready for this?